Yo, 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 welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Zay Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back. Um, and, I, you know, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, That Zay Kid, That Zay Kid Podcast. And this is not going to be long. Um, kind of just, like, really just breaking news, really. Um, maybe I, I may do another segment, uh, but this is, I swear, and I, I know I say that all the time, but I swear this isn't going to be that long because um, I have... I have um, other things in terms of like interviews and stuff and getting more guests coming on um, for the NBA playoffs. But I, this is kind of breaking news. Um, so I, do, I just wanted to come on here and cover it because I probably won't get a chance to really cover it and talk about it because of the NBA playoffs. And that was the Washington Commanders, uh, Dan Snyder, the era is over. Um, I, and I just thought it would be really important to come on here and talk about that um being that i'm from dc i'm not a washington fan um <clears throat> not a commanders fan never uh never been a huge never been a dan snyder fan at all and um in terms of my perspective on this whole thing and with the washington commanders being sold um six billion dollars and so forth it this kind of goes to show you first ownership in sports it is it i think it's much more important and there's a there's a lot of nuance to think to to just owning a team i think people i think people love the idea of owning a team but there's a lot of nuance there's a lot that really comes with it it's just not about having the money having the funds i mean obviously grant like that's a huge part of it but just look at dan snyder honestly I know a lot of people are probably uplifted and rejoicing that the Dan Snyder era in DC is over. Trust me. I lived through I've lived through part of it. I'm sure I know a lot of people are rejoicing and glad that it's over. And it's it's interesting because really it's really hard to put how popular and how um how successful the Washington organization was prior to Dan Snyder in the seventies, eighties, nineties. We're talking like Washington was a premier was a premier franchise. We called them um, like blue bloods, like in college basketball, you call those type of those type of programs blue bloods. Those those rich traditions. Washington was a part of that in the NFL, like in the seventies, in the eighties, in the nineties. Um, the teams that was like the teams that were winning, like Washington was a part of that group. When you think of the seventies with the Steelers and the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Cowboys, like I mean the Redskins then, but Washington Washington was right there in the thick of things. Um, and I think it's one it's one thing to be a bad owner for an organization or for a team. That doesn't have um the that didn't ha- that doesn't have the amount of popularity that Washington had, um or that uh, they may not have the same historic background like Donald Sterling, bat like obviously horrible owner, but he owned the Clippers. The Clippers, they've always been kind of like second fiddle to the Lakers in L.A. Like there's no historic, there's no history with the, there's no great uh success or great history with the with the Clippers like. It's one thing to be a bad owner with a bad team. It's a whole, whole, whole never thing to be a bad owner 
with a team that once was really, really, really popular and a team that was really, really good for a long time and with a historic background. Um, it's kind of, like I said, it's really hard to describe to people my age or even a bit older people from the age of like my age range to like 25, maybe even it's kind of, it's kind of hard to describe how popular the Washington team was It's kind of popular. The command, like it's kind of now the commanders, but it's, it's kind of hard to really like the seventies, the eighties. I mean, George, the like the legendary coaches, George Allen, Joe Gibbs, I mean, like Washington winning with three different winning Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. I mean, they not to mention like when you think of the teams that were really, really popular during this time frame, it, like it literally, it was Cowboys, Steelers, Washington. That's what it was. That's what it was. Like you also can't forget that like they were a part like Washington was a part of the cow like the Cowboys and like that that whole rivalry it was once upon a time it was the biggest rivalry in the sport, um so like Dan Snyder did a horrendous job like it is hard to mess up um an organization that had such rich history it is very difficult to mess it up and like just from I mean. Like a team that was once beloved and revered as one of the top teams, top organizations within the league. Now, you ask people, Washington, they're not like they're bottom feeders. And since like for a a grand for a lot of a good portion of Dan Snyder's time uh, as the Washington owner, they've been horrible. And they have been like they have been not just horrible like on the field in terms of the product, but things you hear off the field. Um, they have now like the worst stadium in the league. Uh, I think they finished dead last in attendance this past year. Um, attendance hasn't been great over the past decade, half decade. The attendance hasn't been great. Um, so even not just the product that they're putting on the field, but even the product off the field and all of the all of the back, like all of just the baggage that Dan Snyder has kind of carried over this this time frame since he's been the owner has been bad. I mean, you think about, and I know, like I, my grandfather is a huge, 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 huge diehard um, Washington Commanders fan. Huge, he's been like huge, and like I, I like I, like I said, we we sometimes we, we go to the games and they honor. Like some of these seven, they honor the seventies team. Granted, they didn't win a Super Bowl in the seventies, but um, they honored some of those seventies players, those eighty, those eighties teams that won the Super Bowl in eighty two and eighty seven. Obviously, in ninety one, um, they honored those. And, and there's so many just great, great legendary players. I mean, I mentioned the coaches, George Allen and Joe Gibbs, but like you know, John Riggins, John Riggins, and uh, Dexter. Manly and the, the like, the Hogs, the Fun Bunch, um, with Russ Grimm and Ark Monk and Daryl Green and Mark May and Gary Clark and Chris Hanberger, like the the list goes on and on and on with the all time great Washington teams and all time great Washington players, um, Champ Bailey, like like this just really all time great players that has played for this franchise and it's kind of. It's kind of like it's like I said, it's bad. Like 
it's the equivalent to messing up like like obviously programs like Michigan football, USC football, like they've had some down years or they've had like a couple they've had like bad coaches, but like think about think about USC football just sucking for like just be, just being bad for like 25 years. Just think about that. Think about USC just being like atrocious. Not just having like okay, two three bad coaches. But think about Michigan football being bad for like 20 25 years. Think about USC football just being bad for 20 25 years. Think about Kentucky basketball being bad for like 25 years. Just like just think about that. Just just like consistently uh routinely repeatedly being bad. Think about like the Dodgers being bad for 20 25 years. That's literally with the Washington. That's literally what Dan Snyder was with the Washington franchise. He was bad routinely on and off the, the field. Like, not just in terms of product and production and what you saw on the field, but in terms of uh, merchandise. Um, just, just like, like when you think of over the past five years, when you think of the Washington franchise, what do you think of? Well, you think about, okay, obviously the new name. Well, the, the name controversy. You think about all of the allegations and the, kind of the creepy stuff that has come out about the franchise and what's been going on upstairs with some of the some of the higher ups like oh, that's what you think of over the past half decade about the Washington franchise that's what you think of you think of all of the off the field controversy whether it's the name whether it's finding trying to find a new owner whether it is uh any type of allegations just think about what do you think of and that's what you think of of the Washington franchise over the past half decade and it's it's quite it's quite pitiful so I know a lot of people are rejoicing um I think like I said it's it's huge to be an owner um because I think people downplay the importance of a pro sports teams um in communities in cities like especially this particular one like I go to the barbershop. <laughs> I mean, they, they during the football season, I go to the barbershop and every single week, I kid you not, you know, as bad as bad as this team has been, they they have a fan base that's strong. They still got a good they still have a strong core fan base. Boy, every every week I go to the barbershop. They're asking me about the commanders and like part of me, like, I don't care because they're that bad. But they like those fans, they like the fans care and they they it's it's like it's a core thing. So for the owner to be as bad and as selfish and just as like he did a horrendous job with such a prestigious franchise. It's kind of it's kind of sad when you think about it, <laughs> and I kind of like I joke about the wash like the commanders, but it's kind of sad when you think about in in like like just the grand scheme of things of like of a franchise being that historical and that prestigious, and having the history that they have had, 
And then you look at the past just 20, 25 years, it has been awful. However long Dan Snyder um, owned the team, the era is over. Rip that Band-Aid off. Hopefully, it's not hard. Hopefully, new owners get it right, and they can kind of rebuild this franchise. But, boy, like, that's the equivalent. Like, think of, like, think of the, the like, the Dodgers just being just being bad and just stinking for like 25 years. Think of USC football. Like literally, USC is literally the the brand of the Pac-12. Um, and they about to leave the Pac-12. But think of USC is the their the brand of the Pac-12. And just think about them being like the worst program in the Pac-12. Think of Michigan being the worst program, like the Michigan football being the worst program in the Big Ten. Think about that. For 20, not just for two, three year or four year, five, no, no, for 20, 25 years, 30 years. Think about that. That is the equivalent, and that's what happened to the Washington franchise. One, uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to transition from that to uh, talking about the Washington Commanders. Um, and so forth. We're going to go down right right down the beltway and we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. And um, I haven't talked, like I said, this is going to be quick. Haven't talked much about uh, OBJ to the Ravens at all, really. Um, just focusing on the NBA playoffs and, ba- and, some, and some more basketball content. But I- I'm just going to sum it up like this. I think in the NFL, and I always talk about it, the quarterback situation is really hard to get right. Like it's it like in terms of the drafting process or just like, it is really, really hard to hand on. And there's so many boxes now, like now, especially there's so many boxes that must be checked um, in terms of getting the quarterback, right. Um, it's so damn hard to get it right. And opposite to like, you know, if you're a slot receiver, like, can you, can you run routes? Can you get open? <laughs> like, can you get open in the middle of the field? Can you utilize the middle of the field? Like, if you're an edge rusher, like, can you get to the quarterback, at, like, at, at a good enough rate? Like, th- that was the questions that we asked about, like, slot receivers and edge rushers, edge rushers and with running backs. Like, can you, can you run the ball? Can you catch out of the backfield? Can you pass block? Cool. Like, <laughs> that's it. With quarterbacks, it's about like it, it like not just on the field and but off the field and how you carry yourself, how you present yourself, work work ethics and so forth. And so it's just so hard and so many questions in boxes that must be answered or checked off, like just so hard. So I say all this to say this. And I may and maybe these are two examples, but like it and it shows you they, they have Two of these teams, uh, they have some of the best GMs in the league. Uh, Howie Roseman. Let's talk about the Eagles and Rams. The Eagles and Rams, they both drafted Jared Goff and um, Jared Goff, obviously, and Carson Wentz, right? Eagles took Wentz. Uh, Rams took Goff the first pick. And they both experienced early success. Goff uh, got to a Super Bowl with the Rams on the Sean McVay. Uh, Carson Wentz was in route to having a MVP year, had an MVP caliber year, so forth. We all know the story. Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. 
regardless, both of them get paid. We soon realize the media, everybody soon realizes that not the best deals, right? <laughs> like jerk off, like Sean McVay got fed up with jerk off, shipped them out. Cool. Howie Roseman is one of the best shakers and movers in the, in the, in the entire league where sign Carson Wentz realized very soon, very quickly that didn't work. Okay. Move off of ship them out to Indianapolis. Carson Wentz is that's, that's a whole other situation. That's Carson, like just bad. Right. Jerk off is kind of, kind of had like a resurgence now in Detroit. Um, he's found himself with another, like another talented offensive roster and Ben Johnson and so forth. So like, cool, jerk. That's great for Jared Goff. Carson Wentz, like I said, it's Carson Wentz. Uh, regardless, those teams signed those quarterback early because they showed flashes of, you know, of something, right? They showed flashes of something. And like, like I said, uh, whether it's Harry Roseman, um, or Les Snead, like pretty good GMs, um, one of the best, some of the best GMs in the league. I think with the Ravens, they they had an opportunity because um, now this thing with Lamar has gotten messy. And I, as hard as I've been on Lamar in terms of like, you know, I, I, I don't I think him having his mom negotiate this 100, 150 million, 200 million dollar contract, I think. Hasn't been the best uh, business practice in terms of like business moves and financial literacy. I don't, I don't, I just don't think it's been the best, right? Like, I, like I've criticized Lamar about that. Like, same thing with 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 me criticizing Lamar in terms of that business acumen and aspect. Like the Ravens, the mere fact that okay, Lamar, he showed promise really early on, and just like the Bills, the Bills they signed Josh Allen after his third year. Josh Allen had a bad rookie year. Second year, you kind of saw flashes, got to the playoffs, but still a work in progress. Third year, um, he explodes. You give him, they gave him Stefan Diggs. They pay him. They pay Josh. They pay Josh Allen. With Lamar, his third year. By the time his third year, he he was a league MVP. So I think Baltimore grant and granted, we may look back, we may have like in the moment, we may have looked at that contract and we would have been like, man, this kind of seems like a bit too much. But now you look at the Kyler Mary deal, you look at the Sean Watson deal, where I remember those boxes I said, those like in terms of finding a quarterback, a lot of boxes have to be checked. Well, Arizona, um, they had questions about Kyler Mary's work, like quote quote unquote work ethics. Um, there's there's questions about his leadership and in terms of the intangible things, right? Uh, well, Steve Kime, former Arizona Cardinals GM, he came out and was like, yeah, you know, Kyler, his work ethics could be a little bit better, right? Like that. So we look at around the league, across the league, quarterbacks getting these huge deals with, you know, not without like really checking on the boxes. Deshaun Watson had his little ends before his incident. He could like we all know Deshaun Watson can play, and before his incident, he was seen as a, like a high character guy, a good character guy, good guy, good leadership, right? Well, the stuff comes out, his whole situation with the allegations and so forth, still comes out, and like Cleveland gets like so not checking all the boxes, right? Well, Baltimore, they didn't pay Lamar after his third year, where like I said, 
if you pay him after your third after his third year, we may go back and look at the deal and be like, man, I was kind of like I was kind of like a shaky deal. But now you're forced. You're like like Lamar is like literally forcing your hand, and it's gotten so ugly and so messy. You know what the Ravens do? You know what Eric DeCosta do? And the Ravens do? They go out and pay Odell Beckham fifteen million dollars for one year. <laughs> if it fully incentives eighteen million dollars, but fifteen million dollars guaranteed. And it's like, and you guys know, I love OB, I love OBJ to death, but he can't stay healthy to save his life. Um, like that's just been the continuous, that's been the constant theme. And in the hindsight of things, if Odell can stay healthy and play fifteen games, sixteen games, and it and it works for Lamar and the Ravens passing offense is better and much more effective. That's great. Like thumbs up. But will I, would I be surprised by week six, seven Odell Beckham has another injury? Will I, would I be surprised? No. And you're still back at square one with Lamar Jackson. So seems like a desperate move by Baltimore to, sign Odell Beckham and bring him on the board, which, like I said, I'm not mad with. I'm not exactly mad with because now you bring Lamar back to the table and you give something that you give, you give Lamar something that he wants. But boy, just like I criticize and critique the business practices of Lamar in terms of having his mom negotiate um, $100 million, $200 million contracts, well, I'm going to have to criticize and critique the Baltimore Ravens in terms of, okay, this situation's gotten so ugly to the point to the point where you desperately make a move for a guy who I like. I like Odell Beckham in terms of the player, obviously, and then also the – like, I think he's kind of matured over the years. But you go out on the limb and you give him $15 million where he's recovering from an ACL injury, not to mention all on top of the other injuries that he's had – over the past over the past several years seems like a reach it seems like a reach but like i said two things could be true and best case scenario i think the best case scenario and the worst case scenario i think both are possible best case scenario this pass lamar the lamar deal works out obj deal works out and the Ravens offense looks a little bit more effective and a little bit more explosive in terms of the passing game or by like I said, by week six, week seven, you look up and be like, oh wow, Odell Beckham is in an injury report and he's might he's gonna miss extended time. Would that also surprise me? No. And now you're still back where you were with Lamar Jackson. Pretty interesting. Um, like I said, didn't want to be too long. Uh this is really I want to discover some some real headlining NFL topics because like I said, uh, you know, I got I got I'm bringing on guests. Um, all throughout these next couple weeks, um, and so so you know to cover the NBA playoffs. So, just a little brief, um, couple segments about the NFL and um, some of the headlining topics. Hope you guys, uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys appreciate it. I always appreciate the listeners and the support. Thank you guys. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm gone. Peace, deuces.